hello. You're listening to Sisters Assembled, a Marvel Theory podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie. And we're two sisters who spend way too much time talking and thinking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now we want to share our thoughts with you. Every week we're breaking down a new topic relating to the MCU, from reactions to the Disney Plus shows and the movies, to deep dives on characters and important concepts, plus news and a lot of theories. Well, listeners, crazy to say it, but we're already halfway through Secret Invasion, and Katie and I were just talking before we started the recording, but this has been the shortest episode of the three thus far, and despite it being the shortest, I have to say, A, it might have been my favorite, and B, I think it was probably the most important. So needless to say, we are definitely excited to dive way more into this one, because I think there's a lot of Easter eggs and also big, big things that happen that we definitely need to dissect. But to start it all off, I've given my two cents. Now, Katie, what did you think of the episode? I really liked it. I thought it was really, it was a really good balance between some action scenes, some kind of like holding your breath moments, some like, ah, crap moments, and then some really good story elements that just kept the plot moving. I think this was the first episode where you're really like, oh, this is really bad. Like, this is going, like, and I mean, we knew it going into this. I mean, right? Like, we all knew the scrolls were not going to be something to mess around with, especially once Super Scrolls came into the equation. But we all knew, like, after this episode, if you aren't sitting there and you're not thinking, oh, no, this is really not good, then you watched the wrong episode. Like, you weren't paying (laughs) enough attention because I'm, like, ready. I I want episode four now. Like, this is the first episode. Not that I haven't liked the rest of the series, but, like, this is the episode where I'm sitting here and I'm like, give me the next one. I need to know what happens next. Yeah, I think to that point, going off of it being the shortest episode, this is the first one where I was like, what do you mean it's over? Like, what do you mean that's the end? Like, I have so many questions. I have so much I want to see. To your point, like, get me more, bring me more. And so for it to be the shortest episode, like, that was so smart for them to just, like, compact so much into it and then leave you with that taste where you're like, oh, man, I want to know, like, what's going to happen next. So let's dive into it. I mean, I feel like there was so much... The first thing, and I want to say it before I forget, because I was so excited that I, like, even caught it, but in the flashback, and then we'll go into Fury's relationship with his wife, in the flashback when he first realizes who she is, and she first shows him her human shell, she gives him information, and she gives him information on Dracoff, who, you know, I admit, I was like, why do I know that name? And at first, I was thinking of the the general who, well, I'm bad with names. She's giving me a look. <laughs> yeah, because I like this exasperated look because I was like, oh my god, you didn't notice that immediately? I was like, oh my god, the Red Room. No, well, I knew I knew the name, but my first thought was that general from Hydra who created the twins. And his name is Stryker. Because I, he's also really, really important. And I also think he creates Deadpool and at least one of the versions of the X-Men. So, or he has like some kind of relationship with Deadpool. So I was immediately one striker. And then I was like, no, 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 that's not right. So then I was like, oh my gosh. And then I started thinking about the timeline. And I was like, that means Natasha was there. Because wasn't she in the, like, she went into the Red Room in like 93, I think, based on the movie, if I'm remembering years correctly. So in 98, she would have been five years in, probably starting to go out on missions as a widow, which is crazy to think about. But then if you think about how that plays into the Black Widow movie, obviously that's the beginning of his attempt to 
bring Dracoff down, and that's probably how they ended up getting Natasha on their side. And this is the beginning of what will be their relationship, Fury and Natasha's, because he's starting to get onto her trail without maybe realizing it's her trail specifically. Yeah, I really appreciated this one. Because I think it's cool to kind of know, and and I know I talked about this last episode, watching Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., finally, it's kind of the same thing. At least the first few seasons, right? Like, you're sitting there and you're kind of getting these small little, like, tidbits of things. You're like, oh, that's a callback. That's cute. And so I feel like this was a good one, especially because we do know Fury's relationship with Natasha moving forward. It just feels really full circle to me. And so I really enjoyed it. But honestly... And I hate to do this. Everybody who ever listened to this podcast knows I hate to do this. But I got to give you credit because before we get into his wife specifically, you called it. You said last episode that he used the scrolls to rise through the ranks in S.H.I.E.L.D. I know. And you said that's what you bet he used them for. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I didn't disagree, but you did call it. And it's in, it's in, it's in a recording, man. So, you know, listeners, you gotta give her the credit. It lives forever, and it is a time capsule of my correctness, and I am so happy I'm going to bask in the glow of getting one right. I will be a good sister, and I will say I think we've both had some really good ones this with this series. You had the really good one about Groot and the Super Scrolls and calling that, and mine is Fury using the scrolls to rise through the ranks of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, when he, when Talos was laying it out and he was like, you didn't get a promotion that wasn't brought on by a scroll, I was sitting there and I was like, oh yeah, like, this girl was right. But then also it's like, on one hand I was happy because... I'm not usually right. You guys have over two years of recordings. No, you're you're like maybe three for like quite a few. <laughs> I know. Like you guys have two years worth of predictions and theories from me. And so, you know, there's a record of me being just generally wrong about things. Sometimes, though, when I'm right, I'm right. But that doesn't happen very often. So there was a part of me that was like, heck, yeah, I'm right. But then there was another part of me that was like, this makes me completely reframe my relationship with Fury because his whole thing, his whole characterization from the get-go is, I'm the man who knows everything. I have eyes everywhere. And now, only now, are we starting to understand who those eyes were and how he used them to rise through the ranks. It makes me feel like I trust him less because not just because he lied about that potentially, but also because it makes him seem like less of a competent agent because he had this secret weapon the whole time. It wasn't just Fury knowing what buttons to press. It was Fury having these secret spies of his own. He basically was running his own agency within S.H.I.E.L.D. And to me, that just completely reframes his capability as a spy. And I hate that. And it like really sits funky with me. Yeah, actually, I think that's like a really good way to say that because I couldn't figure out why I kind of felt icky about it. I mean, we we felt icky about it last week, knowing that that was a theory we kind of had to throw out there, knowing that just in general, regardless of how it was done, Fury somehow utilized the scrolls to his advantage Especially considering they're refugees and he took advantage of them, which also already didn't sit right. Yeah. But I will say, like, when Talos was really lining it all up for him, I was like, you know, what did Nick do himself? Like, I think once he's a director, you expect it, right? I mean, we all do. Like, when you're a head honcho of something, you have everybody working for you for a reason. Like, you have your eyes and ears because you're the head. 
But I think, like, knowing how he was rising through everything, and he was the low man on the totem pole, but used the scrolls in that process, definitely is like, what do you do well? In the nicest of ways, like, it's kind of like, what, before you were a director, before you had all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s resources at your disposal at all times, what were you able to do yourself? What did you accomplish? Because it doesn't seem like a lot of it right now. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think what it shows is that Nick has really good instincts and he knows like what information he needs. And I think Talos was getting at this too. Like he knew what information he needed to press certain buttons and he knew what people he needed to turn or to bribe or to, you know, blackmail or whatever in order to do the right thing, essentially. He's he's working for S.H.I.E.L.D. He's trying to stop terrorist attacks and, you know, all that good stuff. So, you know, good goal. I'm not going to take that away from him for sure, but I think that's where Nick's real strength is, is less the actual physical work of the espionage, of gathering the details and all of that, but more the actual, like, strategic, here's how we're going to employ the information. This is the information we need to get in order to achieve this objective. And so I don't want to take that away from Nick that he has that kind of more strategic mind, but I think it is a reframing from seeing him as this complete all-around baddie agent to understanding, okay, maybe he's not as good as the, at the actual information gathering and espionage as we thought, but that he's still a brilliant tactician, you know? I don't disagree. I do say now I'm a lot more Team Coulson, because <laughs> I feel like he is a more well-rounded individual. But I actually, I was kind of thinking about this as you were talking, not that I wasn't listening, but I was fully thinking about this as you were talking as well. I actually want to table... Nick's wife a little bit. Okay. I would have put this to a little further into the back of the episode because it was, the, the, I think the most important aspect of it is in the end of the episode. And I want to try to keep us a little bit in line with how the episode played out. But I do want to talk about Talos and Fury's relationship because first off, love and the bromance, big fan. <laughs> but I also want to talk about Fury since we're already on the topic of him and how, you know, last episode was Fury stands alone. He, lo- he has no allies, and now we see him gaining his allies back, making amends, if you will. And, you know, for the first time, I think we see Nick Fury apologize, which, you know, who would have thought that ever happened? And so I kind of want to bring it all together into this character development that we've, we've been talking about as we've discussed the show. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It was something that I was thinking about as well. Like, I actually at one point was thinking, oh, we're watching Nick Fury learn how to make friends, like true friends, right? Like the scene where Talos is like, you have to tell me that you're sorry and that you can't do anything without me. I was like, (laughs) if that's not me and my best friend, I literally don't know what that is. Like, I think anybody who has a best friend just like relates to that moment so much. And it was interesting to see him initially, like, walk away, like, screw this, I'm Nick Fury, I'm not doing this, and then have the realization, like, yeah, I'm Nick Fury, but I'm Nick Fury totally alone, and this guy has been by my side for 30 years, and then you go further to the next, I think, really poignant moment, besides when Talos was talking about how Nick kind of used them for all of his promotions, 
But the next really big moment, I think, is when Nick asks Talos, like, why didn't you join with Gravik? Why didn't you kind of create a joint unified scroll effort? And he said, well, I didn't join with Gravik because I'm with you. And it shows, like, Talos is the loyal friend who really, truly believes Nick. And I don't know that Nick really grasped the depth of how much Talos trusts him until that moment. I think, you know, going back to the idea that he used Talos's people, I think, yes, he thinks of Talos maybe a little more like a friend than most people, but realistically, every relationship that Nick has had, besides potentially his wife, which is a little bit of a gray area, is really transactional. Even Natasha, right, views her kind of like a daughter, but at the end of the day, she still works with him. It's tr- or works for him. It's transactional, right? And so there's that element to every single one of his relationships. And I think for the first time, Nick is starting to look at his friendship with Talos, which Talos just views as a pure friendship and bond. And he's starting to actually see it in that way instead of seeing it as like, a transaction as a quid pro quo. You give me this, I give you that. And he's like, oh no, this guy actually like believes in me. Like maybe I need to put my faith in someone else as well. Trust and actually like put effort into this relationship because I think for the first time he's realizing how meaningful it actually is. And he, quite frankly, he keeps him in check. And I think that's what we saw in this episode was he sat there and he was like, hold on, you're going to apologize You're not going to just come in here and expect me to help you. Yeah. And you're also going to have to recognize the fact that you got where you got in S.H.I.E.L.D. because of me and my people. And you're going to tell me that you recognize that. But I think that's a really healthy thing to kind of do and keep him in check. And a a great way to do it because, I mean, he's Nick Fury, right? Like, I mean, you're going to have those moments where he, even if Nick never comes across... Well, he has his moments, but not in like a weird way, but he always, he's very confident. And sometimes I think it can come across that he's, you know, a little full of himself, not in a weird way, but just because he, he highly believes in his abilities. He's a high ranking member of S.H.I.E.L.D., even if S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of not around. But like, I think it's a great relationship. I think it also goes back because this is a character we knew very little about and we still know very little about. But within just three episodes, I'm like, okay, cool. So he's a bestie <laughs> that no one knew about, who's a scroll. We've now learned how he got where he got in Shield, which we would have never known. We know, like, we knew he had a wife. Uh, just for everybody who's been on the internet, like, when did they say he had a wife? Since when? Literally says it in Winter Soldier. Like that was a full, like, <laughs> a full storyline. So like, we did know he had a wife, but now we've seen her. Like, we're actually getting to see this personal side of him. And like I said, it's also hilarious. Like, I'm getting Sam and Bucky vibes. Like, it's nobody's business. Like, when he's like, why'd you stop the car? Because we're here. Like, I was like, I honestly was laughing. And that's what I mean. This episode had me across the entire spectrum of like, oh my God, this is so bad. This is terrible. And then I'm like laughing five minutes later because I'm like, these guys are a mess. They don't know how to do anything, clearly. Like, they don't know how to work well together in the field. Yeah. But at the same time, they're just so funny and they're best friends. And I just, it's, it's so good. Yeah. I love seeing Nick, how comfortable he is with Talos because they've known each other for 30 years. Like that's such a long time. And so like, he's so, he can be more of himself. He doesn't have to be like Nick Fury. He can be like Nick Fury, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like he doesn't have to be Mr. Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Mr. Super Spy. He can just be like, 
the kind of guy that we saw like in Captain Marvel who was you know he was a spy and all but he was he was funky like he was so fun in Captain Marvel and I think you see more of that come out versus the kind of hardened spy that we all were first introduced to when he made his first few appearances oh definitely I mean I think those first few appearances you know that is just a stoic like leader figure that just would show up for what like a minute if that of screen time and you were just like that guy's not someone to mess around with like he even got Tony Stark to kind of be like Fine, I w- I won't be a part of your team. But we didn't want you. Well, I don't want it anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he even got Tony desperate to join his little team up. So I I think it's it's a lot of fun. Like I'm really loving seeing this different side of Nick again because to your point, in Captain Marvel, we did see like a very different version of Fury. And I mean, he's been through things. We've seen things. We know things. But it is so different. And, you know, it, you know, to just see it then, now it's getting more of these flashbacks, getting some more information, it definitely makes it not feel so stark of a difference either. Like, we saw one version of Nick, and then we saw a completely other different version of him. Yeah, definitely. I To your point, I like seeing those years in between. Like, especially because, you know, we obviously have a big gap between 1940s when we have Cap and then the 1990s when we have other cap and so like that's a 50 year difference there's not a ton of exploration in those years we get a few years you know obviously in endgame some flashbacks in ant-man but then the other really big gap really is you know 1993 to 2008 and that's a solid 15 years obviously it's not as long as like the 40 to 50 years between the two cat movies. Yeah. But it's still like a very solid period where we don't have a lot of information. And so I like that we're, to your point, not only getting this look into Fury and his evolution from happy-go-lucky Fury in the 90s to very stoic Fury that we saw, you know, in the early phase one and beyond, but now we're also starting to see, like, filling in those gaps, understanding, tying things together. Like, to me, that Dracoff reference was perfect. It's like Loki mentioning it in Avengers level perfect because it wasn't forced, but it was enough to, like, really tie it in and be like, yes, like, this is a thing and this is something that, like, ties so many different storylines together without it being, like, hit you over the head like we're gonna drop an easter egg now and i loved that the subtlety of it so i will say i don't disagree with that statement but i gotta say loki mentioning it in avengers in 2012 so good and then black widow coming out what 2021 like that was a different level of oh my god yeah like they held on to that for almost 10 years yeah so that, I, and not that I disagree with your statement of how good this one was, but like, it's a lot easier to do a little bit of a callback afterwards versus the fact that like, they made Loki make that comment and none of us thought a thing of it until the movie came out almost 10 years later. That's insane. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, but I don't disagree with everything you said either. I just wanted to say, cause like, that was just an insane callback. But I want to pivot because we see Talos kind of go on MIA and on his own little like op mission <laughs> to meet with Gravik at the beginning before him and Fury make up. And the thing is, is we learn two things from this. And one of them definitely has the the effect much later in the show or in this episode, one of them is going to have the effect later in the show. The first thing we learn is Gravik assumes Gaia is already working for her dad 
or she's a wolf. Oh, 100%. That whole thing with the ship, the fact that, like, immediately when he said that in front of her, or told her, I don't remember if he was on the phone. Yeah. But I was like, girl, why are you even passing this information on? It's clearly a trap. I thought the same thing. I said, you just cornered yourself. You have to be smarter than this. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, you just cornered yourself, because... Other than the three people who went on that mission, who are in that mission, and then the guy who was making the call, like, I, you don't know who else knows. It might have been just them. Oh, she didn't leave herself a scapegoat. And that's where I'm like, you have to think a few steps ahead. One of my favorite podcasts, they always say, like, this person's playing 2D chess versus 3D chess. Gaia was not playing 3D chess. And so it's like, girl, like, you have to think smarter than this if you're going to try to infiltrate and get out alive. I couldn't agree more. I immediately hated that. I was like, no, you're setting yourself up for failure here. But not only was it that, I mean, he pretty much said it to her father. He said, you should be lucky I don't have her sent to you in a body bag already. He knows. Yeah. He, he, I mean, and come on. I mean, like, I get it. Like, I understand the connections, but you're Talos's daughter. No crap. They were already going to feel type of way towards you joining their resistance, no matter how much you joined it and believed in it. And I mean, we saw even at the beginning, she clearly believed enough in it. She was estranged from her dad, but we saw what changed that. Either way, bad call. But the other thing we learned is that we have our first super scroll because I said, no, 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 no. And I was like, but I know what a glowing hand looks like. And so we can at least confirm that Gravik is the first Super Scroll with the Extremis stuff inside of him. Can I put something out there that I was also thinking about a lot? Oh, God. I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say because I feel like I had a similar thought, but we could be completely different. So we'll see. Okay. Well, my thought is we talked a lot and I've been watching a lot of videos about everybody thinks Rhodey's a Scroll, right? I think that's... He's the new... This is Mephisto. <laughs> and we'll get to that conversation in a second. <laughs> it's kind of that whole thing where everybody's like really locked in on one thing and finally in agreement about something because this fandom very rarely agrees on anything. But I think we're all in agreement there. But here's why I think I feel very strongly about it, especially now, is because there are very few beings on this planet who are alive, who have the extremists living within them, one of which being Pepper Potts. In fact, she may just actually be the only one who's still alive. And if that is the case, who, as a scroll, would have the best contact, the best chance of coming into contact with Pepper Potts and getting her DNA? Rhodey. But I thought they removed the extremis from her. No, he said he fixed it. Like, made it more stable. Yeah, because remember he said, oh, I couldn't, f I, he was trying to figure it out because he was like, how did I figure this out when I was drunk and I can't figure it out now? And then he was, as he does that voiceover in Iron Man 3 when he's removing the arc reactor from his chest, he talks about how he helped Pepper. I don't think he, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think he ever removed it from her. I think he stabilized it so she wouldn't blow up. And so I think that Scroll Rhodey was able to get Pepper's DNA because he's so close to the family, obviously, and probably is even closer now that Tony's gone because he's probably stepping in to, like, help the poor widow and her daughter, and now he's able to get her DNA, and there you go with the extremists. Because realistically, 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. aside, who else holds the Extremis within their body? So, I actually have the answer. Um, we see an Extremis in Shang-Chi. Oh my god, you're right. And that's not to say there aren't others out there, because we saw that one. However, I really do like where you're going with that. I like the thought process. I mean, she would be the first line. Like, if I was a scroll that took over Rhodey's body, I would be like, well, there you go. Direct contact. Yeah. But it's not to say that there aren't other extremists out there and that they aren't necessarily captured. You know, like, obviously we saw that one fighting in the, like, fight club thing in Shang-Chi, but that's not to say even people like the DODC don't have an extremist locked up. So, unfortunately, the one thing we don't have a lot of information from with Iron Man 3 is how many were actively being made. And so, we don't know. And that's not to say how many more people might not have carried on some of that later on. Who knows? Because that seems to be the ongoing thing is there's always somebody who picks up, you know, somebody's science and then they just keep going with it. So... I like your thought process. I'm not against it. And we'll get to the roadie discussion in like five seconds. But I I don't know. I can argue against it just a little bit. And so we learned all that from that conversation. But speaking of roadie, let's get into this because I think he's a scroll. No. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> I just went on for five minutes how the whole fandom thinks he's a scroll, and Katie's like, I think he's a scroll, and this is a novel idea. Let me finish my <laughs> sentence, and then you wouldn't have had to say it. No, I have two new reasons. One, because Nick makes his comment, or Fury, nobody calls him Nick, Nick makes his comment <laughs> that he knows somebody high up in the U.S. government who's a scroll. He has a lead on that. Yeah. Okay. Who else did he magically just find out was a scroll? And I, and for anybody who's gone to our blog and our reactions to episode two, I went very in depth with reasons why before this episode, we believe Rhodey's a scroll. Now, like with that, and one of them, like wholeheartedly, was just like, who is Rhodey? to talk the way he did to Nick Fury. Yeah. Like, it was very out of character for Rhodey, not just, like, not to show any respect, really, but also just the way he kind of seemed like he was very angry. Yeah. There was an extra layer of emotion there that didn't belong. No. And, I mean, you guys have to remember, like, other than the little Falcon and Winter Soldier cameo Rhodey had, the last time we saw him was Endgame, where he was, like, even in the darkest of some of these moments, he was also a comic relief character. I mean, he's been a comic relief character. Like, he has those moments, but he's hilarious. So I definitely was like, that felt weird, and that was one of the reasons. But now we have Nick out here saying, well, I think I, I somebody in the high, high up in the U.S. government. Rhodey literally answers to the president. So that was its own thing. But, and we'll get to like the effects of this phone call later on. But at the very end with Nick's wife, it sounds like Rhodey on the phone. Oh, see, I couldn't hear the other end. No, 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 no. At the very, very end when she's like, I want to speak to Gravik. And he was like, no, you'll get, you'll speak to me instead. Oh, see, I didn't get Rhodey's voice from that. See, I went on Twitter to somebody who clipped that and just watched it like four times and I was like, I can hear it. Interesting. But like when I watched it on my own, I kind of just was like, okay, like I wasn't thinking anything of it. But as I actually rewatched it and it was only, I think whoever clipped it was like five to seven seconds. So it was only that little bit. So you could just keep, like, it wasn't like a long thing. And I was like, no, I can hear it. Like, I, it sounds like Rhodey trying to not, like, sound like Rhodey, but it sounds like him. Interesting. Okay. So that's my second reason why I'm now getting more and more convinced that he's a scroll. 
I like it. I mean, look, like I've made it very clear. We put it in the, I swear to God, we put it in the predictions. I don't remember anymore. It was like four weeks ago. Oh, we did. He was my top choice on who we thought was going to be a squirrel. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been on this roadie as a squirrel train for a while. I'm all here for collecting evidence. I think between the two of us, we just came up with three different new reasons, some of which are more concrete than others, why he could and probably is a squirrel. I think at this point, we're all just waiting for the reveal. I honestly, when she... When Gaia was walking through their little hallway where they keep the humans that they've taken over. Yes, wait. Yes, there was one that looked like Rhodey. That's my other one. If you look in the background, there is one that looks like Rhodey. Because I was waiting for her to pass Rhodey. Yeah, she pauses at that woman, right? Yeah. And right next to the woman, the the figure, that looks like Rhodey. It looks like his side profile. Okay, I might have to look for it. Again, because I I was truly looking. I was like, is this the moment? Is this how they're going to reveal the scroll? Because I was thinking, is it Rhodey? Or are we going to see somebody like totally insane? Yeah, I also thought that. That we never would have expected where I was like, oh my God, this is how they're going to do it. Like just casually drops like, not that they would, but just casually drops like Captain America. (laughs) Like Sam is like hooked up there. Yeah. Literally, I've been using Sam as my example the whole time because I know it's not going to be him. So like, but there was a part of me that was like, what if we just roll up? To Sam being, like, a scroll. Like, just something where they were like, you guys thought. You know how they love to do that to us. So I was like, what if? But then there was another part of me that was like, this is the moment where they show it's Rhodey. But they didn't, potentially. At least not, like, super definitively. Yeah, it's definitely not definitive. But I will say, like, I was looking in the background and it just looks like his side profile. Like, very, because, you know, all those posters that came out for, like, Infinity War and Endgame where they did everybody's side profile. So you, like, distinct know. Even Civil War, everybody's facing each other. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So, like, you, like, distinctively can see it. And, like, I was like, that looks like his side profile. Like, the shadow on him looks like it, that's Brody. And so, actually, thank you for reminding me that because I totally forgot. I, like, wasn't even thinking about that. So I guess that's, like, almost reason number four just from this episode. That's almost, well, it can't be concrete because we don't know for sure. That would be the best piece of evidence probably single-handedly that we got was that we had a figure that looked very much like Rhodey in the background of this episode. Yeah, and I mean, I just, at this point, I'm almost just like, the mystery is not if, but like when and how. Like, when and how are they going to show me? Is it that moment that we talked about a lot in the predictions with the president? Like, is it another moment where we're going to walk down that hallway and we're going to see, you know, actually definitively that it's him? I don't know yet. But that, I think, is almost where the mystery has evolved to. Not if, but when and how. Yeah, I agree. And I also want to just really quick, since we're kind of talking about, like, who else could be the scrolls that we pass in the hallway? Is it Rhodey? Whatever. I just want to also mention, like, this is really mentioning the Avengers a lot more than I think we even thought. There was a couple throwaway moments that, like, hinted towards them. Even Gravik saying, like, oh, and the superheroes here, they'll come, but then we'll be super scrolls. And so, since this has been an overarching thing we've kind of been talking about, I'm starting to be like, we're really seeming to set this up to be, like, a big thing, like a movie kind of thing coming next. Now, granted, we have half a show left, but I'm like, I don't know. We're really seeming to set this up for something a lot bigger coming next. Well, yeah, I know you and I have talked about that a lot, 
And just to get a little bit more meta and compare it to some of the other shows, I think one of the things that you and I have criticized over the different shows is they'll kind of either, I would say, actually, no, let's say it this way. The majority of them start too slow and then have to jam a bunch of stuff into the last episode, episode. Two episodes. Just say Loki. Well, I I think a lot of them did it. Let's be honest. No, I agree. But I do think the first one's main culprit was out of the shows that came out. Loki was the first, I think, to have done that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it started a trend of, like, not really properly pacing the shows to the point where... You know, there's too much happening in the last two episodes, and we hit episode three, four, five, and we're like, I remember especially Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel, sorry, Ms. Marvel. Yes. Where we were like, how in the world are you going to wrap this up in 45 minutes? Like, I distinctly remember having that conversation. And so I really hope that we're going in the direction that you mentioned, that we're setting something up bigger and we're not following this continued trend of like spending too much time on the setup and not enough time on the resolution where we're just like really blasting past really good opportunities because we're like, oh my God, we've only got like, you know, 45 minutes, an hour and a half if you're going to do it over five and six. So I want it to be setting up something bigger, but realistically, my bigger concern is that we're just going to end up with a really rushed five and six. I'm manifesting otherwise. I will say I feel like with the amount of remarks towards the Avengers, which definitely are a lot more. I mean, we saw like two in the trailer, but I kind of thought that was going to be it. The fact that we kind of keep getting it. I have a feeling the second the Super Scrolls become, like, really on the board, that's going to be when Nick has to make the call. Because, quite frankly, we know Nick. And, yeah, he's a do-it-himself kind of guy, but is he? I mean, think about it this way. Loki shows up, he calls the Avengers, creates the Avengers, really, to clean up his own mess. Yeah. Because, I mean, as we've talked about ad nauseum, really, the Avengers is Nick's fault. (laughs) Oops. And then think about his final moments in Infinity War. What was he doing? Calling Captain Marvel. Like, he's not, as much as he wants to do things on his own. That's what I mean. Like, once it becomes big, it becomes cosmic, it becomes further out of a realm of just, uh, you know, Hydra even. He can't, I mean, and who can? He's a man. He is a man. And, you know, he's got nothing going special for him. He doesn't have wings. He doesn't have anything else that's a fun suit. He's Nick Fury. And so I think we're going to see him fight this to the best of his ability. We're going to see him try and stop Gravik wherever he can. But I think when the Super Scrolls come fully onto the table, and I think I liked how they kind of sprinkled it in this, just kind of be like, we've had at least one success here. Yeah. And it's Gravik himself. But I think it's, and also, by the way, I didn't throw this out earlier, but I'm going to say it now. So Gravik's going to have all of them. I have a feeling. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, because if you go by the trailer, he has the Groot power as well. Yeah. We already know he has the Groot one. We saw the extremists. I have a feeling they injected him with everything. He has all four of them. Oh, he's so egotistical. He was like, give me all of it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. He doesn't just want to create super scrolls. He, within the super scrolls, he has to be the most powerful. It's an ego play. Oh, yeah. But I, I just want to throw that out there because I kind of forgot to mention it earlier, but... I definitely think when they become fully on the board and it's not just Gravik, I think that's going to be the the calling card there. 
But, you know, we'll see. We have three episodes to your point. I'm not stressed yet. I'm gonna manifest, you know, something bigger coming out of this because of the comics and everything else. I think it deserves it. I agree. But I think this show, regardless of what happens so far is doing an amazing job at being that show that kind of is like here's the threat let's get into it let's understand who tried to stop it first and the background of it and if it does become an avengers level threat okay but we have a background for the first time just like even when loki came we semi knew like we had seen thor like we knew like loki was kind of on like he wasn't right like we knew he was like having issues so we knew the background of how he kind of ended up with Thanos is because of what happened at the end of the first Thor. So it's like, that's what's important to me, in my opinion, is having that background, seeing kind of the buildup. And so if it does turn to an Avengers level threat, which I hope it would, I'm prepared. Like, I know the threat. I understand it. And I've seen Nick Fury do everything he can to stop it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It, it'll be interesting, too, with the Marvels coming out later this year. Yeah. You know, and, and I think this is something we talked about in the predictions, but I truly believe this actually takes place later in the timeline than the Marvels. Because if you think about it, he was still on Saber. And it's obvious, like, he can go back. Like, it's not a one-way trip. But I think there's so much in this show that has shown him the mistakes or the consequences of him spending so much time on Saber that I don't see him going back. So to me, I think that takes place ahead of time. I also think, if you guys remember at the end of WandaVision, Monica actually talked to a scroll. To me, if there's a war going on between any faction of scrolls and humans, like, she's not going to have that good relationship anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be strained, or it's going to be less less friendly. We'll just say it that way, you know? So I think... To me, and if she's going to talk to Skrulls and interact with Skrulls potentially on Saber and Nick's there, then that movie has to take place before this movie. So that's why I think it's interesting because I think we're again starting to get movies out of movies and shows out of order because it does not make sense with, with where we are with certain characters to have that take place after this. Yeah, I'm not sure I disagree. I think I, I, I'm not sure I, I should say I'm not sure I'm fully aligned with it, but I'm not against it either. Like, I definitely think I can see where this could go before the Marvels. I could see it. I also could see, you know, the resolution of this being way different than we thought and Nick going back up to Saber because he's trying to do a different plan of attack, get heroes involved. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure, but I, I I can see the theory there. I can see where we're going, where your thought process is. Yeah. I think the other thing I'm thinking about in terms of blowing this out to a larger Avengers-level threat is how does that play out in the timeline? Because to me, if you're going to do that, you have to leave it at a cliffhanger, which means if you're going to have other stuff coming out, like we know what's on the slate, right? We know we've got Loki later this year, Echo, the Marvels. We're talking about Captain America next year. Like, there are things planned. Granted, they're moved back, but there are things planned. To me, if you're going to leave that kind of cliffhanger, you have to have an Avengers movie next, which means in terms of timeline, not necessarily release order, which means if you're trying to place this in timeline order, then it needs to be the furthest out, right? It needs to be the furthest in the future. And what I think is interesting is people keep saying Nick was gone for years. 
And I don't think they're counting the blip. I don't think, obviously, you know, they don't blame him for the time in the blip because that wasn't his choice. But his wife says, you've been gone for years and in those years I became myself. So that to me means it's been at least two, if not more, since the blip. So we're now looking at what, 2025 at the earliest? So that's what I mean. Like, if this is, like, say it's even later than that, then we would have to have something come out like, anything that comes out between now and the next Avengers film, if it is Secret Invasion related, has to be between Endgame and this moment, if that makes sense. You got a little muddy, but, like, I get the gist of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I think for me, I feel like that's an easier judgment call to make once the show's over. Yeah. Because I I feel like I can't quite be like, yes or no, when I don't know what three more episodes are going to entail or what end credits because usually by episode four we start to i'm saying usually because it's not a confirmed thing it's not a for sure thing but we usually start to get one or two end credits popping up at the ends of uh, like all the episodes so i can't go with it or against it i see your point we'll have to make that call on our reactions to episode six more than anything But since you brought her up, because there's two more things I want to discuss, one of them being Nick's wife. So first things first, confirmation. I'm loving this. I'm loving the next episode confirmation about questions we have. I was just thinking about that, too, after the episode wrapped. Like, we have a question, they answer it. It's like they're, like, listening to our show. Like, I never have to sit here and be like, guess we'll see maybe next episode. Like, I, I like that I'm getting answers, especially to some of the ones that definitely feel, like, heavy and important. Like, you need to know why... Like, you need it to to move forward. So we definitely got the confirmation. Nick always knew his wife was a scroll. Coolio. I mean, we even talked, we talked about it on the podcast. I talked about it on the blog. There were, like, four different versions of how this could go. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, this kind of married two of them. Yeah. And it was the fact that he knew she was a scroll, but she also ended up siding with Gravik. But what's interesting is it, doesn't sound like she always was like a militant type revolutionary scroll. It's him leaving her, which I totally get. Yeah. Out of all the scrolls, that was the biggest slap in the face for her. Well, and in so many ways, think about it this way. Gravik views him almost like a father figure. So that was his father figure abandoning him that created so much rage that he created his own revolutionary forces to oppose Talos. Now Fury's wife, her life partner, the man she chose to spend her life with, abandoned her. Now she's going to feel so much like Gravik. And, you know, they're going to relate to each other's emotions because they were abandoned by the same man, obviously with different levels of emotion there. But still, the same man betrayed them both, essentially. And so I think that that is really, you know, I don't know how deep they're going to go in with his wife and Gravik's relationship, But if they do dive into it, I could see that being something that they bonded over, was the fact that this man that they admired and loved up and left them with literally zero warning and zero care for their feelings and the people he left behind. She also genuinely lived with him. Like, she was married to him. That was a relationship that they had. And, you know, she even talks about... You know, I grieved you, and then you came back, and then you chose to leave. Yeah. And I mean, even moving out of a scroll or whatever, this whole idea, like, the whole secret invasion thing, I mean, that's messed up. Oh, 100%. Think about, like, I don't know, say somebody, this is going to sound weird, it's going to go in a weird, dark place really quick, but 
you know, if you're in a relationship with someone and say, like, they get kidnapped, okay, you, like, are probably going to assume the worst when they don't reappear and, like, within the 48 hours that the police usually are, like, if they don't come back in 48 hours, like, who knows? <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> I watch a lot of crime shows if you haven't, haven't uh, noticed. But, you know, you probably start to assume the worst, right? Like, you, as weeks and everything else go on, I'm sure you're assuming the worst. And you eventually probably have to come to a conclusion that they're not coming back. Okay, say they come back three years later and you're just like, oh my god, this is awesome. And then they're just like, I'm going to disappear. Goodbye. Or like, I'm going to leave the state. I don't want to bring you with me. Goodbye. <laughs> like, that is essentially what that was. Nick came back and was like, that wife thing? I don't really know, but I'm just going to go up in space. She's good. She's fine. I'm sure it's okay. Like, that's such a slap in the face. So, like, I feel for that. Totally. And I understand. And, like, quite honestly, even putting aside the, the feelings going with that, I mean, she has a right to be angry, too. Yeah. She was sitting there helping bring these girls to the Earth, helping them by hooking them up with Fury, or thinking she was helping by hooking them up with Fury. And what did it do? So I think it also was, like, a slap in the face. I mean, think about it. Have you ever, like, been friends with somebody who, like, does all this crappy stuff, and by association, you're like, oh, like, I really don't want to, like, be tied to this person. Like... That is probably how she felt. Like, she thought he was going to do all these great stuff, and instead, what did he do? And now all the scrolls are like, screw Fury, and she's like, I married him. Yeah. Like, this is so, like, like what, it, like, so, yeah, I don't know. I definitely... Question, because I have trouble telling the scrolls apart when they're in their natural forms. Was she the one who brought Gravik to him? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, actually, that's a great point to kind of clarify. Just for everybody, if you didn't pick this up, she is Vara in scroll form, but she goes by Priscilla in human form. And so when he said Scylla, that's him calling her Priscilla. Mm. So that is just an FYI, because I was getting... After last episode, when people were talking on, like, Twitter and stuff, I was so confused. I was like, who... Like, didn't they say his wife was Priscilla? And everybody's like, it's Vara from... You know, the whole, like, the beginning of the episode, and I was like, what is happening? So, if she goes by a different name in human form than she does as a scroll. I just, yeah, I just have a trouble telling them apart when they're in their, like, natural form, because I feel like a lot of their features are, like, super similar, and it's hard to find those, like, discerning features that, like, can distinguish between people, so appreciate the clarification. Well, and that's why they're all in some sort of human form in the show. Yeah. <laughs> so that we know who they all are, and that's why they all remain in, like, most of their shells and everything else. But because we're kind of talking about this and, you know, scrolls and everything else, let's finish it out with the ending. Well, I guess not the ending ending, but like the semi-ending with Gravik and Gaia. Yeah. Is she really dead? You know, so originally I went after the episode and I was like, I need to get a shower. So, you know, you do your best thinking in the shower. So originally I'm like, of course she's not dead. We know there's other scenes in the trailers that, like, explicitly... Trailers are a myth! Hold on. Don't even get me there yet. Hold on. <laughs> but I'm like, there's, like, multiple scenes in, in the trailers that we haven't seen her yet. And then I also was like, it's Amelia Clark. There's no way they brought her on for not even the whole series. For three episodes. I was like, no, 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 no. But then, then I got a horrible thought. And I was like, did someone else put on her shell? Are the different things that we haven't seen yet not that real Gaia and somebody else posing as Gaia? Maybe even her father infiltrating or something. Okay, 
I'm not gonna lie, I had the thought of someone else wearing her shell because this all goes back to like being very difficult to tell the scrolls apart. So just seeing the scrolls body there is not enough to tell me that was truly Gaia. We also didn't really see her scroll grown up very much. So like Well, I don't even mean when she died. I mean like after she died, if that actually was her, somebody is wearing her shell after. Oh Yeah. Like, someone's continuing to pose as her. See, I was thinking, what if that's another scroll pretending, like, protecting her, essentially? I mean, I, it could go both ways, but I, I was thinking more, he actually killed her, and somebody took her shell and is using her shell. Question for you. Can scrolls take other scrolls' memories the same way they do humans? I would have to think. If they hook them up to a fracking machine, yes. But here's the thing, that, like... I guess I wonder, like, you know how, I can't think of a good example, but, like, I guess I'm thinking maybe they built the technology to not be able to do it to themselves, like, to their own species, right? Like, I just feel like if you're a proud scroll, why would you ever see the need to frack another member of your species? I don't think it was, personally, I don't think it was conscious. Like, think about this. Say we, you know, found a way to get into a dog's brain. Do you think we would, like, purposely build it to never get into a human's? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it might just be the technology was built, and it just happens to also work on scrolls. They just never do it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because, like, I think the scrolls don't strike me as the type of people. I mean, us as humans, we definitely would do it. <laughs> but the scrolls don't strike me as people who feel like they need to go out of their way to protect themselves from themselves. Yeah, there is a certain level of blanket trust as a species. Yeah, they're very trusting of one another, even though though there are ones that are on opposite sides. I mean, they are definitely a community knit. And I mean, of course, they're going to be. They're all refugees at this point. Yeah. Like, they've all fled their home world because it was blown by the Kree. Like, they, of course, they're going to build together. I just don't get the impression that they would have to go out. They feel like they would have to go out of their way to do it. And then you also have people like Gravik, who I'm sure would find great advantages to be able to frack another scroll's brain. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of intense. Well, yeah. And I mean, think about it. Look at even what Gaia did. You don't even need to actually steal the memories. You can literally flip through them. Yeah. So you don't have to like consciously take in all the memories. You could just sit at the computer and be like, let me see this guy's life. Let me see this conversation. Let me see where he was at this point. Yeah. I mean, that is such a disturbing thought that like it's not really Gaia for the rest of the episode, but I like it. I think it's such a good theory. I just hate it. And you know why I kind of am getting there even further is because remember when we see her enter that room where all those pods are and she definitely has that look of like, oh my god. Yeah. Gaia was behind enemy lines on Team Gravik up until just now. She likely understood what was happening. Like she knew, if the, say they're humans, right? And those are where they stored all their bodies because they're not fracking everybody. That's not possible. It's too many. There's way too many scrolls with faces that... They can't fully have been fracking every single person at all times. All the ones that are being fracked that are constantly up in that position and in that machine are high-ranking people who they need to be in their brains all the time, right? So I'm like, what if that is somebody else, a different scroll that goes undercover or gets in there or something because not everybody knows Gaia was killed or betrayed them and finds all the humans that were taken over. Counterpoint to that, though, she didn't know about the super scrolls. 
so she definitely doesn't know everything. No, I don't disagree. I, I, yeah, I know. I don't disagree with that, but I mean, she knows all these people are putting on shells, like, where are the humans? Right, but I think there's a difference between conceptually understanding that they are stealing these humans' lives in the sense that they're, like, taking them over versus understanding in what state they're actually keeping the humans. I'm not sure the state's the problem. I think it's the mere amount. I think she doesn't know how many are being taken over. That I don't think it's about like how they're being kept. I'm not really bothered. I, I'm not bothered by that. I mean, if if I was taken over by a scroll, keep me in stasis, bro. Like I, <laughs> I'd rather be in there than dead. But like, I think it's more the amount of how many there appear to be. Yeah, that's fair. But I also think you know, think about again. She doesn't know about the super scroll thing. Like, there's clearly things that. Gravik didn't trust her enough to show or didn't feel that she, you know, even before he didn't trust her, didn't give her the clearance to understand. So I like your theory. I think it has merit, but I do think there are some holes. I mean, I don't disagree. It's Swiss. (laughs) But honestly, I, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I accidentally ate uh, some Swiss cheese earlier and I don't like Swiss cheese, so it's on my brain. But (laughs) I mean, either way, I think there's two ways to think here. Someone was posing as Gaia and got killed. Or that was really Gaia, and now someone's going to pose as her. I don't think... There's no way she's alive. There's no way. I mean, she turned to scroll form. She got shot in the chest. Yeah, no, that... Whoever that was in that scene with Gravik is dead. Yeah. Whether that is Gaia or someone posing as Gaia, they're dead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what if somebody's somebody's been posing as Gaia this whole time and that's never been the real Gaia? Then where is the real Gaia? Exactly. Ah, real questions. I know. These are what we need answers to. I know. I have many a question and I don't want to wait seven whole days to answer them. I know. This one's really got me like, come on, I need the next episode. I know. I know. And then, of course, there's the last reveal, which we've chatted about a little bit already, which is that, of course, Nick's wife is working with Gravik, which is kind of, I mean, remember we talked about it last episode. What is the worst betrayal? Your partner. We were talking about it in the context of him not knowing that she's a scroll, potentially. Now we know he knows that she's a scroll, but he doesn't know who she's working for, though I do think he suspects. I don't even think it's it's a suspicion. I think he knows. I think I think she was so sus. I think he knows. And honestly, that's fine. I just want to wrap it up by saying You know, the reason those last few seconds are important is because what is the plan? Yeah. There's clearly a plan for when Nick came home and possibly got on her trail because how could he not? Yeah. And she needed to have a contingency plan to get out of there or something. And why she needed the gun and why she's having second thoughts about the gun. Those are all the questions that need to be asked. Because I feel like we really talked about, you know, her already kind of just being a scroll and being on graphics team. But it's it's what's coming next. That's where I'm concerned. Yeah. And like, what is her role, right? Like, what what did they stand to gain from her still being so close to Nick and yet also at the same time being so transparently suspicious? Yeah. I, yeah, there's definitely, I don't know. It'll be interesting because we'll see at least some of this play out clearly in the next episode. That's been set up very clearly for us. And so I'm intrigued. 
I hope it's not... I mean, she definitely seems like she's not 100% Team Gravik. Yeah. So, I don't know. We're got, we're just going to have to wait and see with this one, which I feel like we sat here saying last week, too. Guess we'll have to wait and see. I know. I really hope they continue this next episode. Like, I think they've done a really good job, and I know you mentioned this before, of just giving us what we need to know and not making us wait two, three weeks for it. And so I really hope they continue that next episode because I have a lot of really important questions. I also am not looking forward to potentially Talos finding out his daughter is dead because that's going to be a moment that will hurt deeply. Yeah, but I just got a really weird thought. And I'm not I'm not confirming anything, but it's a theory I'm going to throw out there. It's a little wild, but like... You know how they said his wife was dead? I was thinking the same thing. What if she was never dead? Yeah. What if Gaia died and his wife has been posing as Gaia this whole time? Oh, interesting. I was thinking what if she never died and was protecting her daughter? Or that too. But either way, like, I'm sorry, you guys all know, no body, no death. And like, for it to have just been thrown away like that to kind of be like, oh, by the way, like, your mom's dead. Like... What happened between Far From Home and now? Like, I don't, it doesn't sit right for me to have, like, an off-screen character death. That's not, like, like, an, especially if that character could play an important role in the future. Well, and especially because out of all the scrolls, Talos and his wife are the two we probably know the best. Well, that's what I mean. Like, they're still pretty vital characters. And when we're moving into Secret Invasion, to just, like, write her off seems very weird to me. I agree. I'm not, I don't think it's that out there because it crossed my mind as well. Okay, that makes me feel better. I mean, you know I'm kind of queen of out there theories, but they always end up kind of coming true, so it's like... (laughs) I know, we'll keep an eye on that one because we may be right about this very out there theory. Yeah, okay. We're on board. We're on a ship. We'll sail together. Yeah. Alright, well, I think that's a wrap on Secret Invasion Episode 3. This has been, so far, a very, very fun show, and we are, as you can tell, super excited to see how the back half keeps rolling right along. If you have not yet subscribed on your podcast platform of choice but would like to follow our coverage of the remainder of Secret Invasion, please go ahead and give us a follow or subscribe. You can also definitely check out our blog, which has a lot of extra information, as Katie mentioned, Throughout the episode, we put lots of good stuff on there to help supplement our podcast episodes, so definitely check that out as well if you're looking for a little bit of extra info in between our episode and episode four of Secret Invasion. Give us a follow on Twitter at SisAssemblePod and Instagram at SistersAssembled. We have all our new episodes and blog posts and some news always going up on those platforms, so go ahead and keep up with us that way. And next week, we'll be going full steam ahead again on episode four of secret invasion so get ready for that as taylor said because we're loving this show it's keeping us on our toes nobody's safe nobody's trustworthy so we're having a lot of fun make sure you guys are having fun with us so watch the show listen to us because marvel just blew your mind so let's talk about it